welcome back to Courageous Conversations with uh, Lady Shauna Watley and Dr. Kim Alexander. Women Investing in Leadership Development is happy to bring to you this series on um, mental wellness, just courageous conversations on mental wellness. Our mission is to grow and develop women in leadership who will impact the world for Christ. And we have decided to launch into discussions on uh, mental and emotional wellness, especially in the Black community. And our topic today is maintaining thriving relationships while surviving COVID-19. And one of the reasons we decided to launch into this topic is that mental health issues affect everyone. But disproportionately, we are um, not as likely to seek help. And there seems to be a stigma regarding relationships and mental health. And so we wanted to open up the conversation today. And, and I'm just excited because we have some wonderful guests that are going to share with us today. And uh, I'll let Lady Shauna uh, start out with our first guest. Thank you, Dr. Kim. Hello, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us today. We are certainly excited about starting this new series. And we appreciate our corporate sponsor, Osaka. And we um, look forward to this uh, amazing dialogue. So welcome, um, both uh, Tiffany white Welchin and Frida Lester, but I am going to start off with introducing Tiffany White Welchin, who is a <clears throat> holds a master's degree in human services. She is licensed as a mental health practitioner in the state of Nebraska and Iowa. Tiffany, Tiffany Lee, um, excuse me, we're gonna, we'll edit that. <laughs> Tiffany currently serves as a statewide behavioral health manager for um, Centene Corporation in um, Total Care, where she leads the team of behavioral health care managers and carrying out the mission of transforming the community one person at a time. Tiffany serves as the past senior director of the behavioral health department and executive team member of Charles Drew Health Center. Under her leadership, she created a substance use division and operationalized a partnership with UNMC that resulted in a sub substance use preceptor program. It is important to mention that Channel 3 featured Tiffany for her work in the area of trauma-informed care and resilience. Um, and that's Channel 3 from um, Omaha, Nebraska, where she resides with her beautiful family. She has over 25 years of experience in the human services industry and, and has acted as an advocate for the underserved and vulnerable population. We are thrilled to have her here today. Um, she is, um, if I take a personal point of privilege, she is my aunt and I love her dearly and I appreciate her <laughs> willingness to join us today and offer up her expertise in a very important um, topic. And I get a chance to introduce to you uh, Frida Lester. Frida was uh, raised in Raleigh, North Carolina, but she makes her home in Charlotte, North Carolina. She graduated um, with a BA in criminal justice and received a job offer from the Charlotte Police Department. She received her master's in business administration uh, from Pfeiffer University. And she is also a graduate of the Senior Management Institute for Police at Boston University. Her career with the Charlotte Mecklenburg Police Department has been extremely rewarding for many reasons. She has worked with the Community Building Initiative in 1990, uh, and that was following three controversial police shootings to help develop a dialogue with the police. She was promoted to sergeant in August of 1999 and later promoted in 2007 to captain and was assigned to the university area. She was um, essential, I would say, <laughs> in bringing about um, a safe democratic national convention in Charlotte, North Carolina. In July, she was selected to develop and execute the security plan for what was then the Time Warner Cable Arena and the surrounding footprint for the DNC. And she was honored by the Charlotte Office of the United States Secret Service for her work during the DNC. And she has now since retired and is enjoying retirement from the Charlotte Mecklenburg Police Department and active in the community. And in the community, she um, works on the board of the Keith Family YMCA, and she's chair of the board of directors of Anuvia Prevention and Recovery Center. And she's 
also an appointed member of the Charlotte of City, the City of Charlotte Large Neighborhood Matching Grants Committee. Um, she's active in the community. Uh, she is a dear friend of mine. I think that uh, as a uh, a healthy single person, she's able to lend a lot to this discussion on relationships. And I'm just excited that this conversation um, is going to be had as we talk about how do you maintain healthy relationships and survive in COVID-19. And one of the most interesting things I think for uh, Frida Lester has been her work also with the NBA and having to survive the bubble uh, as well as um, managing changing relationships with family members and friends. And so I'm excited to have this conversation and to really for us to be uh, transparent because there are people that we love in our families, but when we have to spend time with them up close and personal for so long, they can really get on our nerves. <laughs> so I want to start just by saying that COVID-19 has placed an unprecedented amount of stress on Black America in general, both economically, physically, and emotionally. Um, let's talk a little bit about relationships. Maintaining relationships is quite difficult uh, through this time, um, just because we're dealing with um, so many issues. Um, me as a mother, as a daughter, as a wife, um, as a aunt, as a godmother, as a professional, it's hard to wear all those different hats as well as deal with, you know, issues with COVID itself. So one of the things that is important that we do is we try to use our whole artillery of communication um, tools that we have, anywhere from our phones to emails to Facebook. So one of the things that um, I have learned when um, dealing with my own patients that I see um, in my private practice is I try to tell them, you know, you have to have a balance of all of those different types of forms of communication. Um, one thing is, you know, if you want to uh, really um, enhance your relationships and keep those relationships going, to use those lean forms of communication, which is like texting, which is like email, anything that's um, that you're not that you're not facing anyone, um, but also using like Zoom and using, you know. Um, what is it, Teams or all the different types of platforms are available out there. But when you are making these, uh, you know, these connections to make sure that you are having meaningful conversations, that the conversations are positive, one, and that not only are they positive, but that you um, share information and that you're very open and, and honest. If it's a very, you know, kind of uncomfortable conversation, it's real important that you use the right method of communication. You don't want to have a conversation that is, um, <clears throat> you know, that's very intimate over texting or over emailing. You want to have those conversations over a richer platform, such as your face, uh, FaceTime or, you know, maybe using Zoom. Um, but the other is maintaining those relationships. And when you're maintaining those relationships, you can do that through assurance because you have to assure your relationships as well. So you have a way of keeping it positive. Then you want to assure and maintain those relationships. And you can, the other is, is that, you can kind of set up a sharing of a tasks situation, such as possibly, you know, getting on a competition of working out. You know, for example, Shauna and I, we share our workouts. I can see now that Shauna didn't work out today, right? But I can also text Shauna and be like, Shauna, you didn't work out, right? But that's a, a way of forming a, a communication with her to making sure that we are connected with each other. So there's all types of different ways that we can utilize this whole artillery of methods of communication in order to keep those relationships important. Not to mention, I do have uh, one of my patients, she's a grandmother. And what she does is every Sunday, she used to cook dinner for her whole entire family and they would come over and have this big, huge family dinner. 
So what she does now is she still cooks them dinner and she drops it off. And when she drops the dinner off, her grandchildren sends her little notes to say, hi, Grammy, how are you? Um, I love you. And, you know, they draw her picture. So there's some type of exchange. Um, the other thing I want to say, and I know I'm getting a little long-winded here, is, you know, when we talk about social distancing, I think it's important that we understand the language that we're using because we can unintentionally tell ourselves that, social actually means connecting with people. When you're socially distancing, that means I'm socially, I'm no longer willing to connect with you. So instead of using this term socially distant, don't use that anymore. You're physically distancing yourself for safety reasons. So make sure that, you know, you keep that in mind with your, with your relationships that I'm not socially distanced from you, girl. We can always be connected because I love you and I wanna share these, this information with you. We can have coffee together at 7.30 in the morning before I start my day off. You know, we can have, you know, something after dinner, whatever it may be, but you're not socially distancing. You're actually physically distancing. I like that. I, I like it yeah. too. Yeah. 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 Physically distant, but socially connected. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. That's, that's very important. And, and thanks for sharing that with us, Tiffany. Um, those are some great tools to use as we think through this, you know, second year, as we go into the second year of, of COVID, which none of us thought we would ever be here. We thought it would be a few months on lockdown and then we'd be, on, you know, on with our lives. But so now this is our new normal and we, mm -hmm. we have to accept that. And I know it's hard sometimes for us to process it and to, to realize yeah, this, I have to make some changes because this is the life that we're going to be living for a little while until we're all in a better place and can can come together after everyone's vaccinated. Mm -hmm. So, Frida, I would like to to talk to you about as you listen to some of the things that um, Tiffany talked about. Like, um, what were some of the challenges that you faced initially um, during this period, and and do you see yourself? being able to apply some of those tools or did you already apply some of those tools um, um, during your journey through COVID? It was, it was actually all of that stuff. Um, it, was, it, was, it was quite a journey. I was telling um, Lady Kim that I am an introvert by nature. So spending time alone is not a problem for me. So when it first happened, it was like, cool, I got this. Um, but I had a running group um, and we met three to four times a week. And so for me, I, I couldn't see us not doing it. So we met every day. So starting in March, we, we ran every day, um, probably up until I went to the bubble in June, in July. So that was our thing of every day. We got together, we ran, sometimes we walked. We just had to move every single time. Um, every day. We text each other every day, checking on each other. And it was, and it truly is still a therapeutic for me because we're still doing it. Um, we're not doing it every day since I came back because it's winter and it's kind of cold out there and rainy. So we haven't been doing it, but we still text every day and, and send each other um, inspiring messages and making sure that we're meeting our goal. And if we're everybody's on competition with the watch, you know, to make sure that everybody gets to their move goal and and that we can, um, we're all doing something. And we do, like we said, we check up on each other. But one of the other things that we did, um, I, some other friends, we did a cocktail hour. And so we would have, you know, most of the time I was drinking water, just, you know, just so you know, but sometimes I would have a cocktail, but we would get on Zoom and just talk for hours just about, you know, what's going on, especially if there was any type of special occasion, a birthday or anniversary or, you know, whatever the case may be. And so we're able to really commune, commune and talk about, you know, what's going on with each other and have that personal time. And then, of course, the group chats and church, church. Oh, my gosh. The whole I, I feel like I am more in tuned with God, more in tuned with what's going on in my life and what's going on with my my church now that we're online. And I mean, I felt like I was there before, but this is a whole new level for me. And, and it has really made the difference in me being able to cope with some things. And for some reason, I think that Bishop is in my head and he says things 
that I'm thinking or wanting, you know, thinking that I'm going through. And I think that he's, he's like preaching sermons based on some of the things that I'm dealing with. So, I mean, I'm really, I feel like I'm thriving, but I mean, of course, everybody has those moments. Um, while I was in the bubble, I was in the bubble for 99 days. While I was in the bubble, my mom was alone. And we lost my dad last year, well, year before last, which in 2019. And so it was our first time truly not having anybody there. And I think that she suffered because of it because um, she was dealing with some health issues. And I just see the difference from when I left from when I came back. So I know that there is not, it's not the same feeling for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, people need human contact. They need to feel like they're connected with someone. Even though I talked to her every single day, there were still things that I felt like she needed um, that she wasn't getting. Mm-hmm. So it was just, I mean, I just really feel that I was able to thrive and I'm able to thrive or keep thriving, but I mean, not everybody is in that boat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm an introvert too. So I, when I tell you, I have been thriving, <laughs> like it has been unbelievable. So I definitely can relate to, to where you are and how you um, kind of functioned during this season. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, thanks for sharing. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, we wear so many hats. And uh, Tiffany, I think you said this earlier, you know, as a mom, as a daughter, as a sister, you know, all of the hats that we have on. And as I listen to Frida um, talk about being a daughter, especially with her mom, having lost their dad, um, how to manage relationships um, family relationships in particular uh, is a challenge because um, I know some families are having um, a Zoom check-in with the family or family prayer and those kinds of things. But um, just adjusting to being in the house uh, for me with uh, a husband who's used to traveling every week and now is home all the time and a college student who came back home and then a high school student who, and then everybody needing to have a Zoom space. Uh, it's just been a lot. What are some suggestions you have um, just for families on how to manage the dynamics of getting along? Um, I would say that one of the suggestions that I have is to create structure in the home. Um, the crazy thing about structure is people actually thrive under structure. Kids hate rules and regulations, but at the same time, they thrive in rules and regulations. So creating that structure of this is your space to go and study. This is my space to do my work. We come together as a family and we eat together as a family. And then also, Um, having family meetings. Family meetings are awesome. Um, You know, family meetings allow the parents to let go of their role, right? In In a family meeting, that's when everybody is on the same plane, just in case. I mean, there can be some times you have to like top someone like, don't forget I'm your mama. But however, it is really an opportunity for everybody to be on the same plane. And and then that's when you kind of talk about, you know, what is, what's going on? You know, how's things going for you? I have a college student myself and I noticed that my son, Tyler, you know, he, he was fine, but he also did a lot of self-isolation and I, I was concerned with that. So I'm like, Tyler, why are you always by yourself all the time? He's like, mom, I'm cool. I'm fine. You know, and I had to find opportunities and ways to connect with him so that I was able to connect with his mental health. Like, where are you at emotionally? Where are you at physically? Where are you at spiritually? You know, talk to your mom, let me know what's going on, you know? And so we would have those open and honest conversations. Um, So you wanna have the family time as an opportunity and you lay out the rules, you know, as a parent, you say, okay, this is a time where we're all gonna get together. Anyone can tell me what's going on. It's also a time for you as a parent to say, okay, this week we have Josh doing um, uh, dishes Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We have, you know, Joni doing dishes on Tuesday and Thursday. Mom and dad has uh, Friday and Saturday and Sunday, you know, so you can 
can like lay out the rules and make it fun for them. You know, when you tell a kid that they have the opportunity to tell you what's going on in their life and they can be free to say it, they're going to look at you like, uh, yeah, right. Like, like I know, <laughs> I know you're going to get me like something, but no, give them a chance to talk about it. But then you also offer that one-on-one -on -one time, like I mentioned that I do with my son and having that one-on-one -on -one time to kind of talk about, you know, what are some of the things that you're struggling with and understanding where they're coming from. You know, my son came home from college. He came home for spring break and never went back to school because of, you know, COVID. He, we just, he just returned back to school. We had to do everything online. And so what I did, you know, I, I talked to him and he's like, I feel like I need my own space, mom. So we gave him the whole entire basement. You know, we, we, you know, dressed it up. You know, he had his own entrance when his friends came in, you know, we gave him some time. We gave him some space and that really helped along the way. But there are times when, kids are suffering because they are no longer connecting with the people who they connect with. You know, if you think about how life was for us, you know, we would come home, eat real quick, do our homework, go outside, be back in the house before the street lights went down, right? And we, we had such a social connection with everyone around us. So, those are some of the, the, the things I would offer to kind of sum it up is have a family meeting, make it fun as a parent, make sure you let them know the rules, let them tell you what's wrong with them or what, what, or what, what barriers they're having with school. The second piece is offer one-on-one -on -one time and, and have some structure and create that structure, have a set bedtime, have an opportunity for them to, you know, get their homework done, you know, and make sure they have a space of their own to do those things. And that's how you thrive because you as a parent, if you know that this is the time that, you know, Jerry is supposed to be doing his homework, then you can kind of, you know, kind of do the things that you need to get done as well. So create that structure, structure, people thrive in structure. That's, that's some great advice. I know <laughs> the dish, dishes, um, I cannot <laughs> tell you how many times I was hot because here I am doing the dishes again. Like, you know, I just did the dishes. <laughs> and, you know, go, you know, we all have our little pet peeves on, and, and those things um, come out even more so now that you're together 24-7 like 24 seven. So even with, um, you know, we have one daughter, Allie, and she's 10 and she and I shared a space. But at one point I had to, I said to my husband, I'm like, you know, I think we need to cut the day up a little bit. Like she can be in my space, you know, in the mornings and then the afternoons, she should come down and work in your space for a little while, just to give me a little bit of a break you know, sometimes I need to have a conversation that she shouldn't be involved in or here, you know, with work. So I, I agree with you. The structure piece is some great, great advice. And, and Frida, um, as you hear these things, you know, I, I want to go back a little bit about um, when you were talking about your mom and not being able to be with her and you're, you know, so far away and, um, when you were in that season, what did you do to, to comfort yourself, right? To, mm -hmm. to, to allow yourself, to help yourself to know, look, I'm doing the best that I can during this season. Or well, maybe, you, maybe you didn't, maybe you just beat, you beat yourself <laughs> up. <laughs> and, well, technically I'm still in the season because she is with me now um, and she's been with me for the last four months. So, um, but you know, when I was in the bubble, I think that I had a network of people who checked on her and who actually went and took her, like I wasn't there for her birthday. And so I sent her flowers like the day before her birthday, the day on her birthday, and then the day after her birthday. So she's like, why are you sending me so much stuff? You're getting on my nerves. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> like whatever. But I mean, it was just my way of making myself not one, not feel guilty because I did make this choice, but I knew that making this choice would be the best decision for me. And I just had to, and, the, and, you know, you have that guilt because you're looking out for yourself, but sometimes you just got to do it. You got to do things that other people is going to make 
make it hard for other people, but it was the best thing that I could do for myself financially and mentally, just because, you know, being out of work, I, I, my work ended, um, in March. So I wasn't doing any work, you know, the MBA was shut down. My job was shut down. So it was just going and volunteering. I would go and pass out food to people. I would, I would go and, and do a whole bunch of different things, anything, any opportunity that came up and I would go deliver food to people. I mean, it's just all these different things that I was doing just to kind of keep going. But I, I just really felt that um, I had to do something. So I'm sorry, I got off topic. So, okay. you know, once we, once, once I was there, I had a network of people that, that took care of her. You know, there were people who checked on her every other day. There were people who um, called her, who picked her up and took her places, which my mom is very independent. She was, she's gotten less, but she was very independent. So, you know, I call her and she's in Sam's. I'm like, what are you doing in Sam's mom? You don't need to be in Sam's. You know, do you have a mask on? Because then she don't like to wear the mask all the way up. She likes to wear it like right, right on her mouth and not over her nose. No. Just like a whole bunch of different things. So uh, it's just, it, it was just hard for me. But then I knew that once I got back that she wouldn't be by herself anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so that's what I've been doing. Um, we for, kind of first started where she would come and spend like two weeks and then she'd go back home for a week. Mm-hmm. But like I said, she started having some medical problems that need constant uh, care. So I pretty much said, okay, just come down here and then I'll take you back when you need to go back, like for a doctor's appointment or if she wants to go see her family or our family. But I just, um, it's a new normal for me, you mm-hmm. know, having someone here all the time. Mm-hmm. And then somebody who basically I, I feel like I have to take care of and make sure that they have their needs met. So that's a totally different, and her dog, God, her dog, guys, oh my God, this dog, I'm not a dog person, I don't like dogs, but I have to like her dog because her dog is with her and she likes her dog, but that, that has been, uh, that's been a really, really hard thing for me to get used to, is taking care of a dog and, you know, because she kind of, she's not in the space where she remembers when the feed it and when they take it out and all that stuff so that's become basically my dog sure so it's been um it's been it's been hmm. an adjustment an adjustment I like that I like that it's been an adjustment yes you know and I think that's just the word for all of this entire 2020 through now it's it's mm-hmm. been adjusting mm-hmm. Um, learning how to adjust. And I think as part of, of, of mental wellness is uh, being flexible enough to adjust. So mm-hmm. I, I just admire how you have um, been able to, you used to being single and grown and now having her in the house with you all the time and having to adjust. I didn't know the dog was there, but (laughs) adjusting to the dog (laughs) and her. So, I mean, it's creating new habits and new routines. And I like when you said earlier that um, when you were in the bubble, I did not know it was 99 days that you, you had the end in sight, but, but I'm curious, I like, how did you maintain your mental wellness in the bubble? That's a long time to be separated from. And right. what was it like? Was it that strict or how was it? So we, um, so the, the part, like the first day, the first seven days you're in total quarantine, you can't leave your room. And so I started like running in my room to like get my mind. Like it would be like, um, I'm going to run for the next 15 minutes. And then I realized that if I ran from the door to the bathroom 200 times, that's three miles. Wow. <laughs> that's wow. how, that's how I kind of kept myself of, you know, one, I stayed fit and one, I kept, you know, I kept in the, in the vein of making sure. And then I did a lot of reading. Um, I was a part of a football pool thing that, that came about where I was, I was in a football league and that was, that was great because I'm constantly reading about players and, and doing some of that stuff. But I just think that that first week where I was in total isolation and I couldn't talk or see anyone, that was, that was probably the hardest thing I've ever been through. But once I got out of quarantine and I was able to move about campus, we were at a resort. So you had restaurants, you had things going on. I worked about 12 hours a day 
So by the time I got back to the room and ran, or we we would have like social events in the evening where me and the guys, the other security guys would get together and and talk and tell lies and stuff. So I mean it was it was some type of recreation, but then it was work. And then, you know, it was just like every day just never stopped because you never got a day off. And so I mean, I think it was one of those things for for me that it was intriguing because nobody's ever done anything like this before but then it got old because I was just there for so long and it just didn't it didn't stop and I finally told my boss I was like look I need a day off I just need to color my hair my hair turns so gray I said I just want a day where I can color my hair and I don't have to worry about getting a call from you or going to work or having to, you know, I just want to be able to soak and sit and do nothing. And so he finally let me have one day off, but that, you know, that lasted one day and then I had to go back to the grind. But I I just think it was more making sure every day I did something physical, making sure every day I was, I was um, active and not getting down on the fact that, you know, it was hot and then it would just start raining in the middle of the day for no reason You know, it was just, I mean, it was just like the weirdest weather I've ever been involved in. And then having to deal with personalities of people who, who didn't do well in the bubble, you know, security wise, I had to deal with people who weren't used to having their lives restricted where they had to wear a mask or where they had to uh, physically distance. And I mean, it was just, it was just always something. So um, in some ways I feel like I really did a great job in other ways. I feel like I just failed because it was just so much all the time. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. Um, you know, as I listen to your, your experience and your testimony, um, you know, Tiffany, you know, I, I'm just curious to know, so we're hearing Frida's experience, but as a therapist and a practitioner and with your personal practice, have you seen an uptick in folks you know, seeking therapy through this season? Um, and what types of issues, you know, are they dealing with? Is it more, you know, just their own internal struggles or is it, you know, I'm, you know, having uh, challenges with my mate or, you know, I'm, I'm just feeling so isolated and alone. And, you know, there's just so much um, that we've, when, you know, we said the word, uh, Dr. Kim said the word, um, making adjustments, but I mean, these are drastic adjustments. And so I'm just curious to hear like some of uh, what you've been witnessing and, and noticing through your own practice. Well, through my own practice, um, so I have a private practice that I do part-time and then I also, you know, have my full-time job. Mm -hmm. My full-time job allows me to actually see hardcore data And the hardcore data is stating that um, for people who have Medicaid, um, it's stating that there was a huge uptick in the utilization of individual and family sessions during this time. Um, There was also a huge uptick, which we were really excited about, a huge uptick in um, teletherapy. You know, in the past, teletherapy has been offered for the past, you know, five to seven years, but no one utilized it, but now they're being forced to utilize it. So it's this strong uptick in the amount of, of, of the need and then a strong uptick in actually meeting that need through teletherapy. Now, the part that is interesting is our fellow African-American women are not utilizing this benefit as our white counterparts. Um, We are not understanding the importance of of talking to a therapist, of being okay with talking with the therapist. You know, we're told that the more hats you wear, unintentionally, these are the messages that historically were told, the more hats you wear, the more stronger you are. But really the more hats you wear, the least stronger you are because you're being stretched so thin. So with all the hats that we wear, we really do need someone to support us and to help us through those times. But often African-American women do not utilize their benefit, you know, to actually seek counseling. 
some of the issues as you uh, asked uh, Shauna um, are anxiety. There's a definitely increase in anxiety and anxiety symptoms are feeling overwhelmed. You know how you dog pedal like this um, in the swimming pool? That's, and you like, you know, whatever. That is the feeling of overwhelm. Like something is about to overtake me. Something is about to overtake me and I don't know what to do. So that's feeling overwhelmed. Or you have a range of, of, of issues that are going on and you don't know which one to, to prioritize. You have your, your bills to pay. Which bill do I pay first? I have my husband having issues. He doesn't have a job anymore. So what do I do with that? You know, my kids need to go to school. How do I, how do I deal with all this? And they're just drowning in all of this, you know, in, in anxiety. Um, people are having more panic attacks. So there's a difference between just having anxiety and then all of a sudden it becomes something physical where you feel like your heart is about to burst, there's tunnel vision, and you are literally having a panic attack. That last can last anywhere from, you know, a couple of seconds to 10 minutes, but it feels like you're gonna die during that time. They're also um, experiencing depression. Um, depression is, is, you know, when someone is feeling like they're down, they're teary, they're self-isolating. Okay, well, we have COVID, everyone self-isolates, right? So you're not engaged in the same activities that you're generally engaged in. Um, you're not motivated that you, the way that you're usually motivated. So that is the, the, the depression piece. But on top of that, there's something called SAD, SAD. It's called seasonal affective disorder. Seasonal affective disorder occurs when there's not a lot of sun. People get it all the time. So now you have seasonal affective disorder on top of COVID and then all these things that you're dealing with as well. And then we can take it, you know, even a little further um, in dealing with like seasonal affective disorder and the lack of light um, that you're receiving, but just having COVID and having, you know, all this overabundance of, of issues that you're dealing with. And it's just, it's just overwhelming for people. Um, so what people do right now, there's an overabundance of uh, data that's saying that um, people are drinking a lot more. Um, they are drinking a lot more. Um, um, engaging in, you know, smoking marijuana, um, opioid use is on the rise, um, you know, and, and having conversations with my um, patients that I see, they're really having a tough, tough time right now, just a tough time. And I can't, I can't tell you the importance of talking to a professional. Um, you know, generally, when you talk to a professional, it takes four to eight sessions. Generally in four to eight sessions, people feel great. I mean, you know, we all suffer from depression. I mean, it's just the way it is. Like you mentioned, Kim, about adjustments. There's something called adjustment disorders. If you don't adjust to a certain situation that happens to your life in a matter of six to eight months and you haven't adjusted yet, you actually at that point can lead to an actual mental health more serious diagnosis. So it's important that people understand that you have to get out of the bed. You have to make yourself, you know, do the things that you don't typically, you know, do. You have to have your belief in God. That's the number one thing. You got to pray. You got to, you know, ask God for strength. You got to have those affirmations that you read every day that helps to motivate you to get through such hard, difficult times. But to get back to your point, Shauna, there's definitely an uptick. There's definitely an uptick in utilization. More African-Americans need to utilize behavioral health and that African-Americans are suffering at a higher rate of depression and anxiety, especially because there's so many people that we know that have died of COVID. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, um, I, I just really want us to get to the point where we're able to say it's okay to not be okay. 
and I think as African American women, we are, you know, I can bring home the bacon fried up in the pan and we can just do all of these things and manage all of these balls at the same time. And sometimes it's like, look, no, I'm drowning. I just cannot. And, um, and, and what is it going to take for us to feel comfortable knowing that, um, it's okay to say I'm struggling. Uh, it's okay to say I'm having a hard time or, you know, I'm in a, a, a sad place and I, I feel stuck here. Um, for us to be able to, to be comfortable um, in, in our friendship relationships are the places and in our marriages should be places where we can feel comfortable saying those things. But I think we have um, always had this illusion of that we're in control. <laughs> Notice I said illusion because um, I think COVID taught us that we are not in control, <laughs> that we are not, and that we need to learn how to be flexible and adjust. Um, and, but it's difficult. So um, what are some suggestions you have on how we can, and that's the whole point of us running this series, getting people to say, look, I am having a hard time and I need to talk to somebody. Um, how easy is it for them to find uh somebody who's doing teletherapy? You know, um, I'm going to, you know, kind of unpack that question. The first thing is we have to teach our kids how to identify their feelings. We're really good at, you better learn how to spell your name. You better learn how to write your name. You better know your ABCs. Come here, little Charlie, say your ABCs to grandma, right? Really good at that. You better learn one plus one is two. But what we don't do is teach our kids how to, how to identify with their feelings. So when you feel sad, what does that feel like? You know, when you come and you have a conversation with your kids, make sure you teach them how to identify their feelings. Sad equates to what? Happy equates to what? Embarrassment equates to what? And when you do that, you're actually teaching them unintentionally how to advocate for themselves because if a teacher comes at them sideways in some sort of strange way they can say you know what this is the feeling of embarrassment my mom told me that you know when I feel embarrassed I have the right to advocate for myself because that's the feeling I feel and then to say that the teacher you know you embarrass me in front of everybody so you know the number one thing as a as children teach your child how to identify their feelings. The other is, is that, you know, it's hard. You have to also start to unwind the tapes that have been played in our head, mm -hmm. which is you strong, you can do it. Just keep going, keep going up that hill. Ain't nothing wrong. Make sure you pray, you know, and we hear those language, that language all the time. We also have to make sure, we also have to make sure that when those things happen, um, that we're being honest with ourselves and develop a routine for yourself where you do some self-reflection. And self-reflection is such a powerful tool. So when you go to bed at night and you're like, wow, I screamed and yelled at Shauna and all she did is ask me for a cookie. And then I yelled at my husband when all he told me to do was to put the spatula away. And when you start actually being honest with yourself and self-reflecting, you'll start saying, you know what, I may have a problem because whatever my issue is, it's actually getting in the way of my functioning every day. When that happens, you know, you can contact your EAP provider. Most people don't even realize that everyone has EAP as a part of their benefit. Your benefit allows you to have up to at least six free sessions with an EAP provider, which is Employment Assistance Program. And when you have that employee assistance program, you call your HR representative, your HR partner, and you tell them who's my EAP provider and look at those benefits. Also with the EAP provider, with your insurance plan, there's something called care management. So with me right now, I'm dealing with my weight. I called my insurance company and I was like, look, my BMI is up, I need some help. They get me a dietitian that calls me once a month. 
If I enroll into this wellness program, I get $250 incentive programs. People don't know that all of that is available. You're paying money for these people to, for your health. So contact them and let them work for you. The other is, is that teletherapy is really easy to, accept, to access. But what I would always do is go to your insurance company, see what providers that are available via telehealth and contact them. Right now, telehealth is so available and so accessible. It's really easy to click on a button, put your insurance information in and have that um, conversation. And this is a wonderful time for, tele for people that may be embarrassed I mean, you're in your house at this point. You're not having to go to a doctor and sign some papers and consent forms and sit in a waiting lobby and have them to say your name out loud. Tiffany White Welchin, you know, people literally right now, you can do this in, the, in, in, in your home. So this is the time to do it. Actually, um, in, some point, in some plans and in some states, they actually have telephone therapy that is available that your insurance pays for. So even if you're feeling uncomfortable, you know, talking to someone face-to-face -face on the camera, you can actually talk to them through your phone. Those, those are great tips. Um, and if you could do us a favor when um, this is over, Tiffany, if you can email those tips to us so that when we launch this, we can have that information on our site because our goal is to educate people so that they feel comfortable and they know what resources they literally have at their fingertips. Because you know, you even mentioned, so if you're working, you have insurance and you can access these resources. If you're not working and you are trying to figure out your insurance, you have Medicaid. You also have Obamacare who has you know, these opportunities where you can access mental health. We have to start, it's my belief that we have to start looking at mental wellness and mental health and, and, and looking to take care of our mental wellness and mental health as much as we do our physical health. Mm -hmm. So if my arm is broken, I'm going to ER, I'm gonna to go to the emergency room where if I'm not feeling well physically, I'm gonna go see my primary care doctor. And you know, our goal, um, the, those numbers are staggering. Our goal, when Dr. Kim and I decided to pursue um, this series on mental health was to make sure that we use our platform and no matter how small it may be, <laughs> um, to educate African-American women um, on how to develop their lives in a way that's prioritizing their mental health and their mental wellness. And we cannot thank you both enough for sharing your expertise and sharing your story and um, being transparent so that, you know, we're just helping to move the needle a little further. Um, it's so important as African-American women. And that's why, you know, when we have these conversations, um, you know, Tiffany, as you know, I've dealt with depression in my younger years. And I share that because, you know, when other women or younger women in particular hear my story, then they recognize, you know what? I'm not the only one who's, who's had these issues um, and who's who and she got through them and so can I and I know with Dr. Kim she talks about you know going through menopause and how she knew that was a physical um, chapter that she was going to have to go through but nobody talked to her about the mental piece of that and so you know in a few ser few series down the road we're actually going to tackle that issue with uh, menopause and mental health um, so we just appreciate you all for sharing and being willing to share your platforms. You know, once we launch this series, we hope that you will be willing to, to use your social media um, to share um, this particular conversation because we want to reach as many women as we can um, just so that they know um, we really do have to start taking care of ourselves. If, if we don't take care of ourselves, we can't do all the other things that um, God has called us to do in mm -hmm. an excellent way, in an excellent way. Dr. Kim. 
Mm-hmm. I just want to say thank you so much, uh, both Frida and Tiffany, for this time that we've had together to share and to kind of pull the covers off and to have some real conversations um, about people. Yeah, they're definitely self-medicating, but knowing now that there are other ways to receive health. And as Shauna said, that um, our physical and our mental are attached. Mm-hmm. So we, we really have to value um, our mental wellness and take some time to care for ourselves and self-care is important. Um, being able to not just um, care for the people around us as women, but to care for ourselves. It's like taking that mask on the plane, that oxygen and putting it on ourselves before we are able to help somebody else. So thank you so much for being here and being a part of our courageous conversation on mental wellness, surviving relationships, surviving COVID-19. So thank you so much. You know, and uh, I wanted to add quickly, you know, Tiffany, you share with me, I don't know, this was months ago about spies or pies. I can't remember. And if you could just walk us through that quickly, because I think that will be a blessing. It was a blessing to me and I shared it with everybody that I could. So if you could just walk us through that real quick um, before we close out. Sure. Uh, PIES is a mindfulness exercise. And what's great about mindfulness is that it gives us a chance to do a reality check. Uh, PIES is spelled P-I-E-S, but we want to double the S this time. Uh, P is physical. Ask yourself, how am I feeling physically right now? I is intellectually. How do I feel intellectually? Am I foggy? Am I on top of it? E is how am I feeling emotionally? Did I just have an argument with my husband and I'm feeling very emotional right now or arguing with my child um, or am I okay? And then S is spiritually um, and socially. Socially, where am I? How do I feel socially? And then spiritually, where am I at in my spirituality? How do I check myself right now in my spirituality? So that's pies. Pies is portable. You can do it quickly. You can do it in your head or you can do it out loud, but it's a really quick, quick, great tool to use whenever you find yourself feeling a little bit overwhelmed. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you so much. And um, I think this is the end of our conversation. We, we so appreciate you all. And we look forward to working with you and partnering, partnering with you in the future. And um, we just are very excited about what we're doing through our WOWS platform and having these courageous conversations. So we appreciate you and we love you. You are so welcome. Love you too. <laughs> Thank you so much. And a final shout out to Osaka, our sponsor. Have a great day.